Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. You know, today we're launching into this series called Listen, and uh, I'm excited about it. But you know, in many ways, we live in a world that's cluttered with all kinds of sound, don't we? Uh, Voices are coming at us in every direction, and at some point, we got to make a decision who we're going to listen to. Like uh, this uh, megaphone that I have here, that this megaphone, what it does is it amplifies, it amplifies the sound that's spoken into it. Kind of like the microphone I'm wearing. That it amplifies what is being sent through it. So what in your life has the loudest voice today? What is it that's in your heart? What's in your life today that's so loud? What sound is drowning out everything else that's so important that happens in your day and maybe what God is speaking to you? What is the loudest voice? And we have to realize we get to decide who we're going to listen to. And you know what? We can't silence every voice, every sound on planet Earth, but we can decide which voice gets listened to and amplified into our hearts. You know, every time I turn on the TV, every time I pick up my phone, sit down with people, somebody is always trying to grab the megaphone, and that's the same in your life as well. And so what they say is so much more important, maybe than what you say. They trying to say something that God's word is not even saying to us. So you have to decide, and we all have to decide what and who we're gonna listen to. For many, and I wanna talk about this today, Fear is all they're listening to. Like, like fear is hogging the megaphone in their life. And I'm not talking about maybe just concern or, or dealing with real issues that we have right in front of us, but I'm talking about the kinds of fear that projects us into situations and comes into our heads and, and outcomes that haven't even materialized yet or maybe never will come. You ever had those fears late at night, you're trying to go to bed and you're thinking about all those outcomes? All the outcomes, all those things, you're thinking, man, what's gonna happen? And so what can happen in that moment that fear can be so paralyzing and dominating and crippling in our life that what it does, it destroys our peace of mind and causes our faith in God to erode if we allow it. So I wanna talk, how should we sense that and how should we respond to that we're looking at the old testament passage that is so uh that you know so well in first kings if you have your bibles turn there with me and in this text you're going to see how quickly someone with a powerful faith story can can be dominated by fear and it gets on the megaphone in their life And it dominates what God has already done. You know, it's not as simple as this. Like, if I had more faith, I wouldn't be dominated this way. You know, if I just were a better Christian, I wouldn't be susceptible. No, no, not that. We're we're, going to look at a person in the story who had an amazing story and heart of faith, an ability to trust God even when his life was on the line. But soon after his great faith story, fear got on the megaphone. Fear got on the megaphone and started shouting things, and it had an unbelievable 
ripple effect in the story of his life. Verse 1 of, of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, Now Ahab, now this is King Ahab, told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so if you go back for a moment and you rewind into the story, we realize many of us know the story of Mount Carmel and these chapters before. And in this particular day, Ahab has become the king in Israel. And you see a few chapters before this, when he became king, it, the Bible says he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than all the kings who had done evil before him. So Ahab is a very evil person. He's a very bad dude. He doesn't honor God. He doesn't revere God. He's in a position of being king over Israel. And then Ahab, he goes a step further in this, and he marries Jezebel, who is from a different people group, an ungodly group of people. And in the process of marrying her, he begins to worship and honor the gods of her people, the God of Baal. And you see this happen in his life. Jezebel has the megaphone and she is speaking out lies and she is uh, spitting out fear. She's running the show. She's telling him how it's going to be. Uh, she doesn't want to hear anything about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So she sends out to kill all the prophets of God. It's a very bad scenario. And in spite of all this, one of his advisors, Obadiah, is a prophet. And what he is trying to do is he's trying to preserve the voice of God for this generation. So he hides 100 prophets in two caves, 50 in one, 50 in another. And they're just trying to wait out Jezebel, this evil woman. And in this moment, God speaks to Elijah. He says, I want you to go to King Ahab and I want you to have a conversation with him. And this unfolds where we see this showdown that we are so very well aware of at Mount Carmel. And what Elisha says, you bring all your prophets and 850 of them, the verses tell us. And he says, you go first, you call on your God to come down and consume the altar and the sacrifice and nothing happened. That's what the word says. And then Elijah says, I'm going to call on my God now. And they put the bull on the altar. They, they drench it with water. Not one time, not two times, three times. And we see that Elijah calls out to God and God sends fire out of heaven. He consumes the altar and the sacrifice, the trenches of water, and God displays his mighty power. I don't know about you, but that story never gets old to me in scripture. Does it to you? Never, never. And you see as this story is unfolding the God of Elijah, we know he's a mighty God. And how many of you know the God of Elijah is still a mighty God? Amen. And uh, you see another thing that's happening in the sequence of this story that there's a famine in the land, but God says, I'm going to break that famine and I'm going to show my power to you in those people. So Elijah goes up toward the sea. He doesn't see anything. God doesn't send rain at the time, but he tells his servant, go look. Seven times he looks and it's that Seventh time, he says, I see a cloud, but it's only as big as a man's hand. And Elijah knows what God is going to do. And he's going to display his power again. And he took care of the drought and the famine by rain. And go back to chapter 18, because I'm going to look in there in just a moment. Elijah leaves from Mount Carmel. He tells Ahab, uh, you need to go now because you know what? If you don't, your chariots are going to get stuck. Verse 44 of chapter 18. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. 
Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. It's kind of like a Forrest Gump moment. You know, he's out running this chariot. It's crazy, right? Hey, how you doing? Passing him up in the, in the power of God's spirit that is on display here. He takes off and God's spirit is upon him and is displayed on his life. The cloud is now coming. The rain's gonna break the drought. The spirit of God is on Elijah and he's out running the chariot all the way to Jezreel, some 21 miles. That's what Elijah had experienced. And when Ahab gets home, he goes to tell the story to Jezebel and he tells her how all the prophets they had died at the sword of Elijah. In verse two, it says, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods, these false gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I did not make your life like one of them. Jezebel had such a brazen, evil heart that after hearing about the glory of God and hearing about the power of God, that God came down and, and broke the drought and Elijah came running up like Speedy Gonzalez. She hears all of this and what does she do? She's so brazen and blinded by the power of darkness that she gets on the megaphone and she now has a message that she wants sent out. You imagine this, Elijah, hey, you've got a message and the message is from Jezebel and, and she wants you to know her position in this, that may God deal ever so severely with me. And she hears that voice. He hears the voice of her on the megaphone. And it's loud because we know inside of it, it does something in his spirit. It causes fear to well up inside of him. All he's hearing is what is the loudest voice. And when she got on the megaphone, fear dominoes into Elijah's heart. I just outran a chariot, but in one moment, one voice all of a sudden is resulting in a ripple effect of fear in Elijah's life. Verse three, Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. In other words, fear now is in the story. And, and, and it's not just a concerning fear. It's absolute terror in the life of Elijah. And when he came, verse three, to Beersheba in Judah, he left a servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Then he said, Elijah, he's now on the megaphone. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. It is crazy how fast fear can change the story in our life. That we listen to the megaphone, just in this story of a woman who was evil, hated God, didn't care about God, didn't want to hear what God was doing and detested what God was doing in the land that, that her voice now turned into his voice in the megaphone of his heart in his life. You see this fear, when fear gets on the megaphone in our life, it causes us to project ourselves into all kinds of crazy scenarios and the what ifs, what's going to happen if this takes place, what's the outcome. When that fear gets on our life, you're gonna see patterns in your life that we see with the story with Elijah that we know so well. So 
Fear causes us primarily to do four things. They do more, but I'm talking about four. Fear, when it's on the megaphone of our life, causes us to forget what God has done. And as soon as that voice is, is there, what if the doctors say this? What if they say that? What if the bank says this? Or, or my boss says that on Monday morning? What if the news tells me this? And, and what happens is that voice now becomes a part of our internal dialogue. We forget what God has done. That Elijah is just days away from seeing God do the supernatural and the miraculous. And he's forgetting, forgotten completely about the power of God. The second thing is we listen to fear. Fear causes us to imagine all the terrible things that are, we think, going to happen to us. We just think they will. It's interesting in the Hebrew, you read in this verse 3 that it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Well, that literal word there is Elijah saw. He was afraid, but he was afraid of what he saw. He was forecasting his own outcome. He, 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 he didn't just listen to Jezebel's message. He projected himself into that story and he forecasted what it would mean for him. You know, we can see ourselves in all kinds of situations sometimes that are not even real. Isn't that true? Think, think about that. How many times that we think something is going to happen? Oh my goodness, this is a crazy scenario and, and I'm wrapped up in it and, and it's terrible and you know, it's a snowball effect and there's so much momentum and I'm gonna be taken out by, you know, all of us that have kids that have, uh, or grandkids, you know, for their birthday, we've bought a balloon or mini balloons for them. You know that, right? You have balloons in the house. But then it doesn't take long that the helium starts to go out and they start to sink a little bit. And in the middle of the night, a balloon comes down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, this happened to me, I'm speaking. And you're like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? It's getting closer. You know, you're kind of in and out of consciousness. Here comes the balloon. Oh my gosh, it's getting closer, baby, wake up, right? You ever had that happen to you? I am not the only one, right? Oh yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> All right, so things like that, we imagine, we project the worst case scenario. And we do this many times in our life. Think about how much energy each day we spend forecasting. Psychologists and sociologists have said that the average person, the 80 to 90% that forecast negative things to happen in their life never happen. That means a lot of our time is wrapped up in the things that will never come about. And we try to figure it out, control it, avoid it, manipulate it, whatever it may be. So fear causes us to imagine all these crazy things. And then third, fear, it causes us to run. Isn't that true? He was afraid and he ran for his life. And some of us today are thinking about running. Some of us are thinking about fleeing the place where God has you. Fleeing your calling. Fleeing your conviction because you're listening to fear. Oh, this has happened to me many times in my life. Fear comes and overwhelms and grips you to the point so much that you're saying, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to walk away from my calling because there's so much fear in me. It causes us to want to run. Maybe some that are here today or online that you're watching and you're running. That's what fear causes. And then fourth, fear causes us to quit. That we would not 
just forget what God has done and what, he's, what he wants to do in our hearts and our life, and, but what God is called to do. And, but when fear wins, what happens is we quit. We, we just close up shop and say, you know, I am done here. I don't know if you're there, there today or not, but I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know what? I see all the forecasts and it looks terrible. And the spirit of fear comes from the devil. You just need to know that, right? The spirit of fear is rooted in the spirit of Jezebel. It's intense. It's evil. It's from the darkness. And it wanted to take the prophet of God out of the story. You know, when fear gets loud, it can happen to Elijah, it can happen to you and happen to me. All of us are susceptible to it. And he said at the end, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And this reminds me of Jesus had to say, he said this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of those ways that he does that is by fear. He strikes it in our heart. He strikes it in our heart. I think it's amazing. Um, I was saying in the first service, you know, growing up um, that 5.30, and now I lived in the Midwest growing up. So at 5.30, the world news would come on. And when the world news came on in the room, my dad said, nobody's gonna say it works. I'm gonna listen to 5.30 news. Everybody, be quiet. He'd yell at us, get out of the room. I'm gonna listen to 5.30 news. You know, and for that half an hour, he was zoned into that. Now we have news 24-7 on our phones, our computers, constant on the television. That there's so much fear that is coming at us. And if you sit and listen to that long enough, it's going to get into your life. You're going to start taking that all in. You're going to start projecting that out. So we have to realize what we're taking in. And what happens is we listen to fear long enough, it'll want us to quit. Let's keep reading because that's not the end of the story, thank God. He says in verse five, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank and he lay down. God comes right in that moment to show his provision and his care. How many of you know that God is always on time? And he comes at that moment in his heart and his life and he provides for him sustenance and provision. Then the next verse, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate, drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him and asked, what are you doing here, Elijah? And maybe that's what God wants to do and ask you today. Maybe God is asking you, what are you doing here and how did you get here? Why are you in this position? And you need to get up and keep moving. The next verse, he replied, I've been zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down the altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And Elijah's still operating the same. I've forgot what God has done. But here's, go out, the Lord said, and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Some context here is you look and you rewind back that God at this moment on this same mountain meets Moses in the crack of the rock with God's hand over him, shielding from the back of his glory that was passing by. He's saying, I want you to go on that mountain and I'm gonna pass by you again and I'm gonna interrupt your story in a powerful way. Then verse 11, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle, what? Whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says again, I've been zealous for you, God. And the Lord said, Jezebel is who you've been listening to. You need to listen to me now. He tells him, verse 15, go back the way that you came. It's as simple as this. Elijah, go back the way that you came. And if you go back and you look at the landscape of what he is saying geographically there, that go back to the highest point of where you came from was the desert of Damascus. And, and when you get there, I want you to anoint some kings and anoint Elisha to succeed you. Go back because I am not finished with you yet. Because I've got a calling on your life to do and continue to do something great for me. Go back to the plans for which I sent you. And if you didn't hear anything I said today, I hope you get this. If you've been running and you're quitting, God is saying, go back to the place where I called you to in the first place. A few things as we wrap this up. We need to amplify what's good and true in our hearts and our life every single day. And how we do that is we have to train our spiritual ear to the whisper of God. Out of all the noise around us, we need to hear the voice of our Father in heaven. There's going to be wind, rocks will shatter, things will seem like they're crumbling, a storm that is whirling around us, but in the midst of all of it, God will be speaking, and we need to train our ear to hear that word, his word more than anything else. I love this in Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. This is God's word saying, make sure you're listening to the right voice in your life. Because there's a lot of them. The most valuable thing right now is not our money. It's our attention because that's what people want the most. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we're giving our attention to the wrong things sometimes. We're, we're, we're giving voice to the things in our life many times that, are, that, are, that are, are not good and they're not true. And we keep taking it in and we keep thinking our life is going to change. No, you got to take God's word in, the things that are good, and the things that are true, and the things that are life-giving. You need to shut off all those other voices that are trying to come at you in so many different ways. You need to shut them off. We need to start listening to the things that are going to help us make better decisions. And if we don't, we're going to end up frustrated, and we're going to end up angry. God will speak things that are good and true in the moment when you need them. Remember, God's going to give you what you need. He gave Elijah what he needed. So we, we need to learn to close all the apps in our life, but the word of God. We're reading through the Bible as a church this year in the U version. And I want to invite you to join with us as we discover God's word together. I know many of you have been a part of that since the beginning of the year. We started it and uh, we're reading through it 365 days through God's word. And I just want to invite you to do that. We need to listen to what the God of ages is still speaking to us today. 
things that are good and pure and life-giving and dependable. And then also to, to amplify that, we need to go back the way we came. Retrace your steps to the place where you heard God come through for you in the past. Remember what God has done. It, maybe it was just yesterday or, or last week, you outran the chariot. A time when God provided for you and provided for your family and touched you. Or there, there, was a, there was a miracle, miracle in your life that took place. Um, and then also we need a confidence and quiet humility in God. God, I'm coming before you because darkness is coming against me right now and, and fear is trying to destroy me and it's trying to get me to run. So I come to you with confidence and humility. I'm gonna stand on your confidence, God, today that I'm going to make it. I will prevail and no weapon formed against me will prosper. Just humility and quietness and God, you're going to answer. You're going to move and you're in control. And then lastly, re-engage in the assignment that God gave you. Get back to what God has called you to do. Come on, you need to re-enlist. You need to get back to it. Some of you have run from the call and the conviction that God's placed upon your life to do it. He's anointed you to do it. And God's telling us today, you need to re-engage in the assignment that I gave to you. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep moving forward because I have an assignment for you in this day. I've sent you here to this earth with a mission on your heart, purpose that I've given to you, and I'm calling you to re-engage in the assignment that God gave you. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. Everybody on planet earth that serves the Lord Jesus Christ needs to hear that message. Re-engage in the assignment that God gave to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's re-engage in it. Let's do it for his kingdom and his glory. Encourage somebody with these words today. Somebody you know that's down and out, that needs to re-engage, needs to re-enlist, needs to sign back on the line and say, no, I'm gonna get back started again. Can't stay here. God's got a word over my life. God's got a plan in my heart to re-engage me and do his, his mission that he's called us all to do in these days. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word, Lord. I pray that we would today think about the things that have the loudest voice in our life. And Lord, we would shut all of those things off that are not of you and keep your voice prominent, preeminent in our spirit. You are a speaking God. Many ways it won't come the way we think it will, but God, it many times comes in the whisper and the still small voice Lord, you are still speaking. And we want to hear your voice, Lord. Thank you for that today. Thank you for your love and your encouragement today. For people that hear that maybe have wanted to run, wanted to quit. But God, you're encouraging them today to re-engage in the assignment, God, that you've given to them. That our confidence comes from you, Lord power of your Holy Spirit today, I pray on every single person here. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said,
Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.